Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, integrative life coach and self-care advocate for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey who are ready to lead healthier and happier lives and improve their emotional well-being. I interview coaches, spiritual explorers, and thought leaders from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. In this season of the podcast, I'm inviting you to lean into well-being. Well-being takes into account the entire person, body, mind, and spirit. It's feeling good and functioning well. It's experiencing positive emotions such as contentment and gratitude. It's developing your potential, having a sense of purpose, and experiencing close relationships. And I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. She is a return guest, and her name is Lynn Principe. Lynn is a certified end-of-life doula, conscious dying coach, educator, and life cycle celebrant. Her passion is walking with people in their community in their final days of providing support and creating end-of-life plans, being a loving presence at the bedside, and offering ritual and ceremony services. The honor of being with a Diane has inspired her to dive deeper into the practices of living well with more intention. Lynn, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Oh, Cynthia, I'm so happy to be here again. Once I had gotten this scheduled, I was so excited about having you back on because I enjoyed our conversation so much the last time. I did as well. It seems like you and I could talk for hours and we have so many things that we that we intersect on and um, I really enjoyed our conversation as well. Today, now we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, but I want to start off with something that... I know is so important to you, and it is to me as well, and that ha- is what has working with death taught you about living? Mm-hmm. I love that question. Uh, so how much time do we have? <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I know, right? right? So working with dying has become my life's work, and it can't not influence the way I start to look at life. You know, in the past year, I think I performed about 30 funerals. And being able to dive deeply into the lives of others and start to look at what really matters and honestly, what really doesn't matter is so informative to me. And it sounds like a cliche, and it, but it's true that love is the thing that matters at the end of the day. You know, that is our legacy. So that's a huge thing that I learned through working with death. A few others are... We always think we have more time. You know, we we put off a lot of things until, you know, things are just right or we know enough, we have enough letters after our names, we lose 10 pounds, whatever it is. We put off either happiness or really reaching for our goals or living into our life's purpose. And I think that's a huge one that working with death has taught me that our time is now. And that's... um. That's what really drives me in the way that I live my life now. Then I just love that so much when you're talking about we put off. 
we put off doing things, we put off living, we put off our joy and our happiness, waiting, like you said, on those 10 pounds or whatever it may be. And we need to be in the present now, really enjoying our life. We really do. When we're talking about about grief, and and I think I think where I want to go next is what is the hardest lesson that grief has taught you? Mm. Grief is such a broad subject, and I know that this is something that you study as well. There's an author that I often go back to, Francis Weller. He wrote The Wild Edge of Sorrow, and he talks about grief. And there's more to grief than just losing someone that we love, although that's a huge one, and that's the one that we most think about when we talk about grieving. But there's so many other types of grief, such as ancestral grief, grieving for a planet, grieving for the life that we wish that we had or the love that we wish that we had that we didn't have. So I think um, there's so much to grief, and especially post-pandemic, or if we could call it that at this point, it's easy to identify the grief all around us. And I think that's could be the hardest thing is just seeing that people are hurting all around us. Yeah, I, I interviewed a woman recently and we, we were talking and touching on that subject is that there death is one piece of grief and it's and that's you know probably the most um overwhelming the one that people know the most but grief also as you were saying it comes in with being laid off it having a a split with your family you know just life not being what we thought it was going to be yes and and this like you you know the title of your podcast the seasons of life in some ways, I'm, a, I'm an empty nester now, a newly empty nester, and there's grief there. <laughs> you know, I miss those, you know, the daily rituals of a house full of children. So I think that um, starting to look at the grief that we all live with every day gives us the chance to give us some grace towards ourselves and towards one another. Maybe we can be a little more patient with each other. It could be a unifier in fact. Yeah, as I, as I was, you know, thinking about the questions that, you know, I wanted you and I to be talking about, and I started thinking about the lesson that grief has taught me. And one of the things that I was kind of, I kind of journaled on was it really taught me how to be resilient. And, and that's something that I don't think, you know, a lot of people may necessarily think that as we're going through grief, we are learning resilience, we're learning self-compassion and all of these different things that we wouldn't have known. Absolutely, I completely agree. I think resilience is a, a huge factor in surviving grief. So when we're talking about um, the seasons of life, you know, on the podcast you last time, you know, I, I asked you, what does the seasons of life mean to you? So I don't want to like really phrase it that way this time. But what season of life are you in right now in November of 2022? Mm, I love that question. So as I mentioned, I am a newly um, empty nester. 
so there's some freedom there that I don't think I felt before. I'm a recovering codependent, I think I would say. And I've realized that I no longer have to feel that it's my res responsibility to keep the world turning <laughs> as if I ever could. And so I think my children teach me this a lot because they are you know, young adults now and living their own beautiful lives. It forces me to really look deeper at my own and what my path is. So I think that's one of the seasons that, of life I'm in. And when I, I mentioned earlier about waiting for things to be perfect in order to live our own lives, I'm no longer doing that. I think that just letting go of those fears is where I'm at at this point. Being able to see what I want, knowing that it won't be perfect, but just to keep going. That's been where I'm at at this moment. You know, this just popped into my head, Lynn, and, and I hope that it's okay that I ask you this. You said that you had performed 30-something funerals or celebrations of life in the last year. Has that impacted the season of life here in 2022? Oh, in a huge way. So where we are currently, we just had um, some midterm elections. And when I sit with people at the end of their lives or perform their funerals, I'm not thinking about who did you vote for or how we're different. And I, I think that, you know, death can be an equalizer in a lot of ways. It's taught me to stop making assumptions and start looking at all the ways that we are similar and how at the end of the day, we really want the same things. So that's a, that's a big um, teacher for me. And I'm constantly failing at it and learning again. I think that's why I keep doing this work because there is so much to learn. That really just touched my heart about how, you know, death is really an equalizer. I hadn't thought about it like that, but but it really is. Mm -hmm. We're all just human beings. I mentioned that we're in November of 2022. So we have, you know, Thanksgiving coming up and then we have the holiday season in December. So if we were going to talk about and give some people who are listening some tips or strategies for coping with grief during the holidays, what would you say? Well, grief, like we said, is, it's so complicated. You know, there are many types of grief. Um, I think one of the most important things to do is to give ourselves some grace and acknowledge that we all may be grieving differently. And when it comes to being with family and friends and there's someone missing, I think it's important to not ignore that fact, to tell the stories. And this is something I talk about a lot in my funeral work is to keep telling their stories. Don't pretend that, you know, nothing's wrong. Say their names, you know, even set a place for them at your table, make their food. Um, this year I'm actually having a Friendsgiving celebration for the first time at my house. And for the potluck, I've asked people 
to bring a dish that invokes a memory of a person or um, an event so that our table will be full of all of their people and their memories and people can share the stories if they like to. So just creating um, opportunities to share, I think is a great way to acknowledge our grief. And I think to let go of those expectations that things are gonna be the same. I know for myself after my divorce, holidays were awful for me and I decided that the next year we were going to do it different. So the following year we went out of town. We had a new experience and I think creating new experiences is a great way to heal as well. You said two things that really struck me right there and I'm going to ask you to expand on them just a little bit. One, the the Thanksgiving, the, what did you call it? I called it a Friendsgiving. Friendsgiving, love that. And just asking people to bring food that reminds them of their loved one is, okay, I love that. Can I do that? (laughs) Can I take your idea? I don't think I invented it, but uh, I think it, it should be something that we do often. Yes, absolutely. I think that you should do it. Well, well, you're creating that space there for people to be able to talk about, you know, the, the, the person that they loved. And there's not many spaces like that. Because, and it may have gotten better, but I know that when I was young, for example, I don't know if it was just taboo to talk about the person that you had lost, but it just wasn't done. And that in itself is not healing. I can tell you that from experience. So I love that you're creating that space. Yes. Growing up with a huge family the way I did, food was love. It's our love language. Um, I invited a friend, uh, one of the friends I invited, he laughed and he said, "Um, can I bring a pot of overcooked mushy lima beans because <laughs> so the, these food memories they bring up a lot of of old memories old stories and some of them are are humorous i said absolutely bring the mushy lima beans i don't know if we'll yeah. eat them, but <laughs> you can tell the story <laughs> and the other idea of creating new traditions as the seasons of our lives change and keeping some of the old traditions, but also creating the new ones. It just makes moving um, into that next season just a little bit easier. I agree. And I, and I think the things that that are the hardest are the expectations that we have. And one of those expectations is that things won't change. And of course they will. They have to. So I think reimagining, reinventing is, is really important. And especially when it comes to grief, because you you may be sad and missing and heartbroken, heart, being, feeling heartbroken, but you still have a lot of life to live. So recreating with the old memories and making new ones, I think, is the best the best foot forward. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And now we're, t- we're talking about grief and we're talking, you know, about tips around that. 
But then also, what does it mean to live life to the fullest? And how do you specifically live life to the fullest? I think the way I'm looking at it recently is I look at my path in life. It's been very windy. I've always been a seeker. And like the introduction to your podcast, you talk about the messy bits in between. There have been a lot of messy bits for me. And looking back at them, I see them now as my teachers. I I think that being able to look back at our quote-unquote failures and seeing kind of reframing things is a great way to move forward. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And as you're as you're talking about reframing things as we move forward, I just think that's really an important part of living life to the fullest because we can't necessarily act like we haven't had those messy bits in between. Yeah. We've got to make time for to to reflect on those and remember those as we also live in our lives. Yes. And and looking back, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad things didn't work out the way I hoped they would. (laughs) Yeah. Because the way things have been turning out is way better. Those messy bits are necessary. Yes, they are. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit, now we're, we're just talking about living life to, to, to the fullest, but how can regret be a useful tool in living more fully? Mm-hmm. Well, I, that's, in the, that's a word that I'd like to reframe. It's one of those words that I think we all deny that we feel. You know, we see these tattoos or, you know, people say, you know, no regrets. I don't know if I buy that because like I said, those messy bits, those regrets, they're necessary because they're a tool for self-reflection. I'm a lover of memes and I just store them in my phone. I'm not much of posting them, but I saw one the other day and it it just said that it's healing to look at your, your own role in your suffering. You know, if we start to look at regret in that way, and look at why we may have made certain choices that we did. And coming back to the idea of giving ourselves grace, that can happen simultaneously, understanding that we were operating out of what we knew at that time may not have been in our best interest. So what I was talking about, uh, that it can be healing to look back at your own role in your suffering and how that's so useful because we're then able to understand where we were in those moments and give ourselves some grace for for maybe even abandoning abandoning ourselves when we needed us the most. I like that, giving ourselves grace when we may have abandoned ourselves when we needed us the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the reason I think that that's like really like, you know, touching my heart 
is because we do that sometimes in the smallest ways. And we have to give ourselves that grace to, you know, just keep keep moving forward. Yeah, and I think that regret can inform us in the present if we remember, oh, the last time I was in this situation, I did abandon myself. I remember. So I'm not going to do that this time. Mm, beautiful. That's where regret can be a powerful tool. And look, when we're talking about the end of life, what I've learned and read is that our number one regret is living the life expected of us rather than the one we wanted for ourselves. And that's something that I think about a lot and I'll be talking about more when we, um, when I start talking about the program I've created, that's our first module. It's all about that. Well, why don't you go ahead and talk about that right now about you know, the the golden nugget, and and we'll kind of backtrack a little bit, but what's the golden nugget that as we're talking right now that you really want the people who are listening to us to to really get? Mm -hmm. So the idea was planted because of my work with death and how that has informed what matters in life. And I started thinking about the idea of who we're meant to be before the world told us how we should be. And I think often there are these realizations that happen when we're nearing death or we might have a terminal diagnosis. And my hope is by creating a program where I share things like working through regret, forgiveness, grief, that we can do this deep soul work now. And there's so many benefits to doing that soul work now. And one of them is really seeing who you were meant to be, what your purpose is, what you can let go of, what's not yours to hold on to anymore. And my hope is that it's freeing and that freedom leads to greater peace, for the time that we do have, you know, we have no guarantees, any of us, that we live a long life. And that's something that I think about often with my work. And so why not use the time we have now? So I created a program, it's called Gratitude and Grace, a death doula's guide to living. And it's a six week online course where each module we will dive deeper into these ideas of regret, forgiveness, gratitude, grief. We'll work on legacy work, life meaning, boundaries, and each module will include meditations, journaling prompts, rituals. There'll be some um, some videos, some talks, and I'll create an online group where people can connect with one another. And so that by the end of this course, you know, there's no magic pill, right? But it's an invitation really to do this soul work now while we can. The title Gratitude and Grace is wonderful. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Now, Lynn, is this specifically for doulas or is this going to be open to um, everybody or is it people who are in grief? How do you see 
Or who do you see this being for? I think it's for anyone who wants to go deeper into their purpose, whether they are healthy, ill, grieving, happy, doula, non-doula. I, I think it's a, a course that is useful for anyone living in a body. And when do you expect this to um, launch? Or is that something you're still working on? I don't and have you can any... let me know. Okay. Yeah, I, was I just don't have say... an exact date. But I'm hoping that it will be probably before uh, 2023. So probably the end of November. All right. That gives everybody something to really look forward to. Mm -hmm. The gratitude and grace. Awesome. I can't wait to share it. I've been working on it for months now. And it's been such a deep dive for me. And I've loved every bit of it. Isn't it fantastic when we have put our heart, our soul, our minds, our money, our whole beings into creating these courses or whatever they may be a podcast to be able to put out into the world to to invite people to go deeper within themselves i totally agree and you know back to an earlier question about you know waiting until we know all the things or we have everything perfect and this has really been a journey for me because i've realized that because of what i do that i do get to see a new perspective and I think it's worth sharing. So this has been my season of life, right? Deciding that my experience is worth sharing and most of all can inform others and maybe inspire them as well. I just love it, Lynn. While we're talking about, you know, your your course, gratitude and grace, one of the things that's really, really important to me is self-care. Can you talk a little bit about what does spiritual self-care mean to you? Now, you may like to phrase that word a little bit differently, but what does that mean to you? Mm. Thanks for that question. I, To me, I can't separate my spiritual life from the rest of my life. However, I think self-care is a reminder to, to stop and to notice, even just to close my eyes, take a walk around it inside. I read something recently about um, how our bodies are a book. And when I teach yoga, something that I often say is, I invite them to go inside and turn the pages. So to me, that's a spiritual practice, to just go inside and, and take inventory, turn the pages, see what's yet to be written. And taking that pause, I think, is a really important thing. You know, and especially lately with the climate around us, especially here in Florida, to stop and notice the beauty around us and I, you know there's a lot of natural beauty here but also the beauty between people between neighbors and you know like i said not knowing where they stand on things but being able to see where we 
are the same. And that to me is a spiritual practice because I think a spiritual practice should should fill us and bring us back to awe and beauty. And so just getting stillness and noticing the beauty around me, I think are the two ways that I connect. Well said, well said. And what's the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months and why? Mm. As I mentioned, codependency. <laughs> Letting go of needing to fix everything. And, you know, of course, you know, I'm an end-of-life practitioner, so things come back to, to dying that's a lesson that I learn often is that it's not my job to fix. And in my own personal life, I look at my, my children, that they're on their own path. And, you know, I can be in their orbit to love and support, but I've got my path as well. And that's just becoming more and more clear as I, I see them on their own way, you know, and it's a beautiful thing to witness both my children and my my stepkids just to see the, the beautiful adults that they're that they are. So those have been an ongo- ongoing surprises for me is noticing that the world keeps turning if I, you know, stop trying to control it. And it gives me the chance to just see what is. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember something I heard a, a long time ago. It was like, you know, we don't have to be the manager of the universe or something like that, you know. And to your point, it's going to keep going. It's going to keep turning, whether we're trying to stand there and control it or not. As if we ever could, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and the last thing I really wanted to ask you, um, Lynn, was... Considering that our time is limited, it, that phrase right there, it puts things in perspective. Now, we've talked a lot about this so far on the, on the podcast, but what are, your thing, what are your thoughts around that? About our time being limited? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why I created the Gratitude and Grace program, because, like I said, we think we have more time and maybe we have a ton of time and this goes this goes for end of life planning you know people think you know they're going to wait to do that when they're dying and that's actually the worst time to plan these things what i think is magic about it is once you do the things you do the work you you do your soul work whatever that may be for you the time that you do have, like I said, whether it's short or long, is has a different quality to it. I often see this when I'm working with people who are doing their end of life planning. It's about halfway through, there's this revelation. And they say, this is actually not a plan for dying. This is a plan for living. And that's exactly true. Because they're free at that point. My fiance and I just went to Trinidad to visit his um, family and friends. 
and we went to visit his mother's grave while we were in Trinidad. And I said to him, and, and we were with his sister, and I said to him, you have to think whether you want to be buried in Trinidad or if you want to be buried in the United States mm -hmm. or what your plans are and and start making those plans and he was really shocked and I'm not and I said I'm not saying that anything's going to happen um, to you but we have to put those kind of plans into place especially when you're thinking about if you may want to be buried in another country mm -hmm. there's a lot to that mm -hmm. yeah I think and it's an so, important conversation because if he never told you and you had to guess right you might be second guessing yourself worrying that you didn't do what he actually wanted and so it's really a gift to you for him to be able to share that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I also and I also think the to have those conversations where they may be a shock to the other person who maybe not may not be used to having those open conversations like that. It then has the seed has been planted. Now when we are ready to sit down and because we will be getting married soon and we can lay all that out and there's no guessing like you said there's no second guessing on my part what he's yes. really wanting i think it's an important conversation i'm uh famous for bringing up these conversations at the dinner table or new cocktail parties uh i forget that these aren't everyday conversations but they are that important they really are but, you know, keep bringing them up, Lynn, because they should be everyday conversations. Yes. I love what you said about planting seeds. I'm a huge fan of planting seeds. You never know what's going to grow. And so I think the more I can talk about these things, I love being back here because you never know who's going to listen. And it might be exactly what they need to hear for themselves or someone that they love. And so I think that really we go back to purpose, our jobs in this body, in this life, in this time, is to be exactly who we are and keep planting seeds. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly, to be who we are. And why is that the hardest, the hardest job in the whole world is to be who we are? And that's where the work comes in. Absolutely. Lynn, I've loved this conversation. I really and truly have. I always love talking to you. How can people find you, your social media? How can they work with you? Everything about Lynn. Okay. Well, my website is dearlybelovedlife.com. And I have some information there about my upcoming course. It's under dearlybelovedlife.com slash classes. My Instagram is Lynn, L-Y-N-N, Prin, P-R-I-N. And you can find me on Facebook as well. So I think those are the main uh, ways to find me. I'll be posting a lot about the course coming up and um, for sharing this, web uh, this podcast as well. And um, if anyone wants to get in touch with me and has more questions, they can email me through my website. 
dearlybelovedlife.com. All right. Thank you so much for for being a guest and sharing your wisdom and really talking about this important conversation and and continuing to put it out there for people to realize it's it's normal. It's a normal part of life. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you do as well. And I loved our conversation. Thank you. All right, friends, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I have partnered with doTERRA Essential Oils, and just one of the many reasons I'm so excited is because it's in total alignment with the podcast and the topics that I am passionate about. Topics that encompass the human experience, self-care, stress management, resiliency, grief, and our emotional health. And I love, love their uncompromising commitment to purity and being a company with a conscience. I truly feel this is a beautiful fit with my mission to serve and support women in every season of their life, beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. I'm also doing this for my overall well-being and want to share my journey with you as I rediscover the benefits of essential oils. Contact me to get started on your journey. My email is cindy at cynthiamacmillan.com. Thank you.